Welcome to another Late Night Latte on Latte Firm. England have won the Euros. The England women have done us proud. Arsenal are, you know, winning friendly cups over the preseason. Preseason is now over and the first Premier League game is upon us in just five days time. Lots to talk about, so I want to get stuck straight in. Thanks everybody for watching. Those of you who are watching, please do drop a like on the video and a subscribe to the channel if you're new. Let's bring in some guests straight away. So many of you will be familiar with my man, Yem. Yem? At verse 59, if you'd be kind enough to unmute yourself. How are you? Sorry, I was, I was eating my ice cream Mars and, uh, you know, I don't want people going, like, eat my munching. <laughs> you are having a Mars ice cream. Yeah, the temperature has increased somewhat. So, uh, again, we, us, we're we in London. It's a little bit sticky, a little bit humid. Another Londoner, uh, Colleen, welcome back to the firm. And tell us about your cotton top. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, like, it's so humid outside. I come in, I'm like, do you know what? It's time to get comfortable. Put the fan on, popped on a cotton jumper so let's let's we can see real sweat beads during this let's see what happens nice well you're very welcome to the late night latte colleen thanks for joining of course twitter handles are on screen guys if you like what you hear if you like what you see please do drop these guys a follow and a firm debut for tom from the guna talk tv tom welcome to latte firm how are you my friend yeah good good very good indeed uh i have to say that mars ice cream is the best ice cream ever wow. made i'm just putting it out there like there is no debate it's the greatest ice cream ever it's, it's uh, so see, good. i don't know see see colleen's sort of yeah, gritted teeth i'm hoping you're gonna go with the snickers colleen come on back oh, me here oh snickers is naughty and i'm a bit of a snickers yeah. so i think, I think mars actually bottomed there but i feel like i might i might oh, yeah. oh, um, this is gosh. getting to nando's tier you know this is you know lemon and herb tier discussions well, straight away that might be a podcast might be a podcast on its own this kind of oh. subject <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, look, let's just get through some greetings because there have been quite a few while we've been waiting. Mike Reed, football came home. Indeed, the England women's team have won the Euro. So we're going to just very lightly sort of touch upon that. Patrick, good evening once again, FK and crew. Can't wait for the episode. Thanks so much, Patrick, for joining and for your kind words. Anthony92, good evening, guys. From one pod to another. And that's, of course, Tom, who's just come off a marathon podcast on his own channel. Tom, just before we dive into tonight's chat, anybody who might be unfamiliar with your channel, do you want to just give us a, an intro to it and what you do? Yeah, sure. It's just a good talk. Uh, if you probably tune in early on in on every day morning, 8am, we do live shows every morning, just keeping everyone up to date in the world of Arsenal, what's been going on, get some great guests, like just to chat to Drew, who's been the kind of uh, a mainstay, Andrew Thompson does a lot of writing uh, around both Arsenal and European football as well. But there's some great guys there. FK, of course, you featured last week as well in a really good podcast uh, with some fantastic people. Harry and Dr. Raj uh, came on for a good chat as well. So yeah, if you're if you like Arsenal, come and subscribe, yeah. Do, do. And the link is in the description of the video, so please do uh, check out Tom's channel. Not that you need any subscribers or views, because you're doing absolutely amazing at the moment. And you've got a rebrand uh, tomorrow, which is Launching really tomorrow, yes, yes. Indeed. Right, Rancid Pumpkin, good evening all. Arsenal Granny, good to have you back in the building. I think I've missed you in the last couple of shows, so good evening, Gooners. Nice to have you back. Uh, Alifur didn't let the greetings go on and on and on, and I'm really sorry that I can't catch all of them, but everyone's really positive. Everyone's feeling excited. Good evening to everybody. Look, Look, there's only one place to start, guys, uh, which is, of course, me sharing my slides, which I normally do. But um, England women have basically done us proud. And Tom, I want to come to you first, because this is quite the achievement. Um, Arsenal players obviously helping England get it over the line as well. You can see Captain Leah Williamson mm. and also Mido, the uh, player of the tournament and top scorer. Tom, this is massive. Um, how does it make you feel? as an Englishman, but also as someone who's, who's been, you know, covering football for a long time. This is a bit of a statement from our England women team, isn't it? 
It is, but it's been something that's been coming. You know, it's it's not a shock, and, and that is a compliment. You know, it's the England women's team. This is this is you know the evidence of of so many years of work that's being put into elevating both the coaching, you know, the the grassroots levels to get to this point. It's there's still a lot more to be done. You know. I think if we speak bluntly, if it was the men's team that did this, there'd be people dancing out in the streets until the early hours. And when we might not see that to the same level. Um, in fact, I'm pretty certain we won't. And that, I think, is is the work that still needs to be done to try and elevate it as much as possible. It's going to take a long, long time and a lot more effort and a lot more marketing, a lot more money to do it. But the fact that this has been achieved, you know, is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, England, you know, weren't the favourites for not only this game, but not the tournament. You know, Germany are an exceptional side. They've had a, a brilliant tournament. They were unfortunate to lose their best player, you know, in the warm-up to the game uh, in Pop. But it's it's still such a massive achievement. And it's great, obviously, seeing the Arsenal girls uh, feature so heavily. And, and captain, in, in the case of Leah, whose post-match interview is one of the best post-match interviews of a game I've ever seen. Uh, I've never seen someone with so much composure not swear during an interview that clearly all their other second word needs to be is a swear word. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I can't wait to see what we can go on to in, in the next tournament as well. Of course, Clarsenal FC there showing. But of course, the press conference as well. The players came in, stormed in on the manager, dancing on the tables. All really good stuff. Um, Colleen, coming to you, obviously, as a female football fan, this must mean quite a lot to you. You know, you're someone who's embraced, embraced the men's game, but you must be immensely proud of what the women are, are doing as well. Oh, absolutely buzzing. Like Watching that game was amazing. I think Tom is exactly right. There's still so much more that needs to be done continually because it's like like you said if it was the men's team would be slightly different in terms of what the celebrations probably would look like for the general population but they're doing what they can do and as um as like uh ian wright gabby logan and um even leah said herself it's now over to the rest of us uh to really start embracing it a bit more i mean growing up uh this going into like girls teens and things like that um was very 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 difficult and it's so great to see it changing like even the rules were different like your standard football rules were different you couldn't kick the ball above knee height and ridiculous things uh there was very little funding especially for from like an area where i'm from in like east london so it's great it's it's just so refreshing and so great to see and it's being so public so i hope many other women get involved even if it's not even playing or popping over to see a wsl match Talking of getting women involved, Yem, you and I both have uh, daughters. Uh, what does it mean to you as a dad to a little girl? And if I'm being honest, look, I've, I've never really been one to take too much attention in women's football. Um, I, you know, even if I'm being honest, I haven't watched all the games in this particular tournament, obviously tuned in today for today's final. But what does it mean to you, Yem? And what could it do as, as inspiration for your, for your little one? So coincidentally, today, Lana did actually, <clears throat> my daughter watched the, the ending asking the usual questions that any young girl will ask, you know, what are they doing? What, you know, but she really enjoyed it. And she enjoyed the moment where they lifted the trophy. She understood it's a big thing, even to, you know, someone as young as my daughter, that's, that's amazing. And I think, you know, that's what, you know, for, for a youngster, for girls, all ages, it's, it's a massive statement that, you know, the progress that the England team made from where they were, where they are now, there's still a lot of work as, as, Colleen and Tom have said, there's a lot of work. It's it's by far, it's really not over. But there are small steps being taken. This is another small step. 
let it all continue. You know, I hope, as Kling said, you know, there's more attendance at the WSL matches, more coverage, more people in schools as well. School, you know, Ian Wright said it. Schools need to take advantage of this uh, this atmosphere. Get you know, get more football being played for by girls in schools. Make it encouraging. Show pictures of the of the women. Show what can be done. You know, don't you know? Don't exclude you know girls from you know or anyone from playing football. It's an amazing game. It brings everyone together. You shouldn't be treating it any differently for whatever reason. It it. It has the the ability to bring everyone together, and today has shown it because the attendance was amazing. It is the highest attendance for any Euros game at Wembley, a massive achievement. And and you saw little kids really, you know, enjoying it. It was a great game. It was a really tactical game. I really enjoyed it actually. You know, again, I, as you said, Faisal, I don't watch necessarily all the time, but I watched the full game today. I thought it was a really interesting contest. You know, so yeah. Massive, massive W to the to the to the lionesses. Long may it continue. What are you like, Ian? What are you like? But no, do you know what? Um, absolutely. I, 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 my, my heartfelt congratulations to the national team. They've done the country proud. It's such a feel-good factor. Like you're right about the children, but just anyone who, who watches football, who tuned in today, you know, carnival sort of atmosphere. It was incredible. And um, if any of you haven't seen Ian Wright and Alex Scott sort of post-match comments after the game and how uh, football should be readily available now for girls in this country, do watch it. It's really, really sort of touching and moving stuff. So, um, so look, let's close on that fantastic achievement. Uh, hopefully this will now, like Tom says, uh, taking them to the next level in the ladies game. And who knows where these guys are going to go. I've just caught uh, a couple of comments uh, coming in. Lots of love for the Lionesses, obviously. Uh, Freddie Paxton was supposed to join us tonight. Um, unfortunately, he's uh, he's not feeling very well tonight, so he will be back at some point. Um, so uh, please do excuse me for that. I know I've not changed the description in the YouTube chat. Right, moving on to Arsenal or coming back to Arsenal. Uh, guys, Emirates Cup winners, uh, you'll never sing that. Uh, we played Sevilla yesterday. On a personal note, it was a lovely game for me uh, and for Yem. We both took our daughters' first games and my daughter is in love with Bukayo Saka. Fell in love, incidentally, at the men's Euros last summer. And the first goal that she ever saw live at the stadium was, of course, Bukayo's penalty. But look, uh, Tom, coming to you. It was a comfortable win, a really impressive performance against a team who are potentially a few weeks behind us in terms of their preparation, mm. uh, maybe even further behind now, <laughs> given the result, just thinking <laughs> about it. Back, but, yeah. you know, 6-0 is emphatic. Um, what did you make of the game yesterday and what did you make of the result? Look, I think it's very, it's very easy and quick to overanalyze your opponents when you smash them and say, oh, they didn't turn up. Oh, they wouldn't play that great. Oh, it's, you know, it's only Sevilla, which in itself is a, is a, you know, a massive understatement to the club that Sevilla are. Uh, it wasn't like they played their second string. You know, they've got a lot of very good players. Um, but the reason why Sevilla struggled so much was because of how we played, not because of how poorly they played. We pressured them and harried them and were on it from minute go. Everything that we wasn't when we went to Selhurst Park last season, which is the complete opposite of, of course, what we need to see when we go there again on Friday. We need that energy that we saw yesterday. We need the pressing and we need the harrying. We need to not give any player any time on the ball whatsoever. And the fact that they're showing that in the last preseason game of the summer and the fact that they've shown that not just in that game, but across the preseason fixtures that we've watched and been able to see in the U.S., and at Nuremberg, especially from that second half point of view, the first half, not so much, but I think we can all know the reasons why that happened. 
but it's that energy. We can all talk about the greatness of Jesus and, you know, what Saka brings and how good Partey was or Xhaka was or Saliba was. But I like to talk about them as a collective because I think that's the key thing that Arteta's done is one of the biggest successes he has is he's binding this group of individuals into a team that know exactly what he wants, that know exactly how to play. And you see that on the pitch. It might all come falling apart, and I hope it doesn't. But I think what we've seen, in the, you know, the, especially in this preseason, is is great signs that we could be on for a very exciting season indeed. Yeah, you're obviously game at the game yesterday, as I've just mentioned. The start was electric, you know, uh, as as Tom's just said. I think particularly minutes sort of five to nineteen, five to twenty, we, we just they just couldn't handle us. Our, our pressing was intense; it was organised. We had a real intent about us. We flew out the blocks, as, as people like to say. Chuck as many cliches as I can in there. Why do you think it kind of all just clicked together, Yem? I mean, you know, do, is it people are people are so excited about this preseason because we just look well drilled, well oiled? Um, what is it that you think has sort of just clicked together for us? I think one of the main reasons is Gabriel Jesus. Actually, you know, not just his. You know, let's let's take the goals out of how many goals he scored. It's the attitude. The press is led from the front. And what I saw from Gabriel Jesus' first minute was an absolute pressing machine. He, he, him starting the press led to everyone else, you know, bringing in the press. And then there was a really good um, video that Tifo, Tifo uh, podcasted, which showed how we compacted, you know, severe in. So they couldn't really spread out to the width, which is one of their main, you know, which, you know, most teams will do to break, break through the press. It was really well drilled. Really impressive how all the team bought into it. The big question is going to be, and Tom's mentioned it, when we go to Selhurst Park, can we keep the intensity for, you know, 75, 90, you know, to 80 minutes? Because that's the failing. We have pressed well in other games, you know, in, in, you know, last season, but it wasn't enough. This season, it's a much more cleverer press. As I said, you know, they're, they're compacting the play up. So that you know the the team are you know really you know really compacted together and they can't find an avenue to pass through. So can we keep that up? Is going to be quite a key to our season. And, and Gabriel Jesus, I think, is a massive part of it. But I also think you know some some other key factors were you know Thomas Partey, you know running that midfield, breaking breaking through, you know breaking up play and passing through, you know, just the verticality of our passes was really enjoyable to watch how we broke really quickly. I know we slowed down second half. I think that's just natural. You know, we, the, it was clear the exercise yesterday was to give the first team a, a much more extended run out. You know, it was effectively a full 90 for some of them, but it was, it was still impressive. I, I thought, you know, even the second half when we, we thought, look, they're going to drop off and that's it. Job done. They've had a four, you know, four or five nil. And then we're, We'll finish up there, but no, kept the pressure on. A little bit of a change in terms of, you know, Sevilla did obviously pick up a little bit, but still a really good performance overall with and without the ball. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and what struck me most, it's, it's great, great to see us sort of fly out the blocks because, you know, under Wenger at his peak, uh, we used to wipe teams away in that first sort of 15, 20 minutes. You know, you flew out the block, you get one, you get two, and it's game over. And for the for, for a number of years now, we always find Arsenal getting off to slow starts, often chasing games, really getting desperate towards the end. And I just love the fact that we flew out the blocks yesterday, got one, got two, got three, just kept knocking on the door. And, you know, it was, you almost felt sorry for Sevilla, you know, and at 4-0, you know, expectedly we took our, our, our 
sort of feet off the gas a little bit, but we still managed to get two more in the you know in the second half. So really pleased with yesterday. No no real complaints. I mean, Colleen Yem said that obviously it's it's we're well organised. We've got a good squad. There are players who who weren't playing yesterday, of course. Takahiro Tomiyasu and Kieran Tierney taking part in some post match drills on on the Emirates pitch. Fabio Vieira, who hasn't even sort of featured in uh, in preseason yet for Arsenal of course that was a 35 million euro signing from FC Porto uh, Emil Smith Rowe um, I mean all of a sudden we've got a bit of a squad I know there are gaps and we'll maybe talk about that towards the end of the show but that must be making you feel quite encouraged about what what's to come ahead yeah absolutely I mean considering what we saw um especially in the first half this our initial setup that's probably what we're going to see moving forward um at Selhurst I can't imagine Tieni or uh Tomiyasu will um will be fit or available to start you. so I've got like a police car just driving past um but it is it is nice to see that we do have a little we're starting to build a bit of depth and quality depth not depth where you know it's like a triangle in a square square hole um and I think I think a lot of people have been a little bit too harsh on Arsenal, if I'm honest with you, when it comes to the preseason, because what all you can do is win, essentially. Really, like what you know, if we if we if we'd lost like two or three of the games with the squad that we have that in, that had started at Sevilla, then you know we might have, on the other side we might have some question marks, being like, oh, okay, are we really ready for Selhurst? Are we ready to start the season? Or is it going to be the same as last year, like same old Arsenal sort of thing? So um, I'm excited. I'm feeling really positive. I've, I, we're, we're winning the World Cup. We're winning the league. We're winning it all. That, that's what I'm taking from this uh, this preseason. But it's really it's just refreshing to finally have a good core squad beyond the eleven. And like you've already touched upon, there is still needs for improvement. And we probably still need to get rid of maybe five other players, some few, trade them in for more for quality depth that suits Arteta. But so far. So good, I can't complain. Uh, likewise, and actually, if we look at the sort of preseason fixtures, I mean, obviously, yesterday's game uh, was against Sevilla. Just thoughts on the uh, on the third kit, by the way, Colleen. Just as, as you're on the mic, um, my my daughter loves it. I was a bit mm, at first, but actually, it's growing on me. What are you thinking about the new kit? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's lush. Uh, I can see you in a bit of pink. Do you know what? I might have to bust it out. Yeah, I mean, look, the guys make it look so good, and I'm not going to look anything like these guys, but. I'm going to give it a whirl. But I mean, the more important stuff, you know, the, if you look at the results on the right hand side, again, the images courtesy of now underscore Arsenal, our, our good friend Sam of the channel, a good friend of the channel. Sorry, my English has gone to pot tonight. Um, you know, we've had some really good performances, you know, noticeably the win against Chelsea and of course yesterday's win. Um, Tom, coming to you, that's as good as preseason can get, can't it? I know we had a behind closed doors defeat to whoever it was the other day. Which the club but- shamelessly avoided putting in their tweet before the game yeah, I, I noticed that as well so i thought you know what let's just follow suit but right. i mean that's as good as it's going to get right and and there are comments in the chat you know it's this is just friendlies blah 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 and of course you know we did you know defeat at sellers park just undoes all of this stuff but but right now as of tonight you know a week to go before the start of the season you couldn't ask for much more could you Oh, not really. Um, I think what we've seen is obviously a team that's been able to prepare with the primary signings that we wanted to bring in. Jesus is the key one. And you think back to to last summer, it was a good window. You know, we spent more than we've ever spent before. We were rebalancing the squad, brought in six players that have definitely added things to this group. Even Lukonga and Tavares, and I don't know if anyone's seen the highlights from his game against Marseille, but, you know, he's there's a player in there and I'm glad that we've not lost him and they'll be coming back. I think that 
what you, the difference is this time is that instead of Erdegaard and Ramsdale and Tommy Asu all coming in in the latter stages of August, we've brought in Jesus in June, July. Zinchenko's come in, got two games under his belt before the season starts. You know, we've got Marquinhos and Turner in. Fabio Vieira's not even played yet because, of course, that injury, but we've got him in early. And that's the difference. And there's clearly, you know, a, there's clearly a change that's going on at Arsenal. There's clearly evidence of momentum. There's clearly evidence of that motive to try and make things better than it was before and to learn from some of the errors of the past. And you're right in saying it couldn't have got any better. But at the end of the day, we will finish pre-season with the age-old line of it is just pre-season because that is what it is. And we will be brought very back. We will brought, we'll be brought, sorry, very much back to reality on Friday if we don't pick up a really good result. And, you know, it might be that a draw is seen as a good result as sellers part this season, but for Arsenal, it's not on the opening day because it costs us the most important thing, which is momentum. And Arsenal need momentum this season. And a win against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park is one of the biggest kind of boosts to a start of a season you can get, especially when you consider the next four games are against what? Leicester, Fulham, Bournemouth, Aston Villa. They're very winnable before we play Man United in September um, and potentially still time to integrate a new signing or two before the summer closes. So it's as gone as good as it can, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't get a really good result on Friday. Yeah, do you know, I, I hosted a uh, Twitter space last night uh, for the Latte Firm sort of account, and, and there's such a great energy amongst Arsenal fans, optimism, you know, whatever whatever positive vibe sort of words you want to use. And I guess I'm really intrigued to see what the feeling would be if we didn't get the win on Friday, you know, come Saturday morning, let's say we've been turned over by Vieira's Palace, you know, how optimistic a fan's going to be the knives are going to be sharpened by the media, by opposition fans, even some of our own fans who, you know, would, would love to sort of, um, you know, lay into the club. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting. I think it's delicately poised. I mean, but look, if, if we're looking back at preseason, it's been great. There seems to be a real unity amongst the players. The players look fresh. They look sharp. They look ready. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta picking the team that he did yesterday. I think it was the same starting 11 that he had against Chelsea in that first half. It looks like that's going to be the starting 11 uh, against uh, Crystal Palace this Friday, subject to, of course, Tommy Asu and Tierney doing really well in training or whatever this week. But that looks like it's going to be the set 11. Uh, yeah, just coming to you in terms of lessons that we're learning from preseason. So look, there's a couple of observations from me. Of course, we have an entirely new strike force now. Lacazette obviously let go in the summer. Jesus and Enketia are our options, yeah. Um, is that enough for where we want to be, yeah? If you unmute yourself, my friend, we'll be able to hear you. Sorry. Um, You're very well. From what I've seen in preseason, again, we've talked about this on, on previous pods, that it's they, he wants a very fluid front three. We saw that yesterday. Jesus was on the left, on the right. Martinelli was into the middle. That's that's what he's always been angling for. I think most modern day coaches look towards a, a, a very fluid front three. And I think Jesus certainly fits that. I think Eddie Nketiah is building towards that. I, I think he's done really well. I can't complain with how he's done. For me personally, I would have liked one more to provide variation. I, I wouldn't want the same as Nketiah or Jesus. I want something a, a little bit of a different mold, maybe a strike, a target man, etc. Just to give us something different, you know, when things aren't going right. I think most of the teams have recognised, you know, if you look at Liverpool, they've certainly changed it up with, with Darwin Nunez. Um, but again, that's, you know, strikers are a lot of money now and we've spent, you know, 
quite well on one who, who seems to be doing very, very well for us. So I can't complain with, you know, you know, overly complain with having Jesus and Nketiah, but an, one injury and we're down to one striker. That's the only key problem that I can envisage. Balogun's leaving as well, but looks a bit on to, to go to Rhymes. So I, I think I would have pref I would have liked one more, but I recognise the issues in getting a striker in this window. Well, we will talk about potential other additions in the squad. And Colleen, before I come to you on, on observations from our defensive game, just want to give a shout out to Brian Schultz. Thank you so much for your kind donation to the channel. And hopefully I've not butchered your surname, Brian. Uh, Brian says, cheers to all of you. Started watching a lot of Arsenal stuff during COVID lockdowns and FK and Tom are some of my faves. Uh, thank you so much. I'm sure Tom appreciates that as well. By the way, the black jerseys aren't even that cool. <gasps> But I think that's an emoji face suggesting he's that maybe he's, he's not here. There. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> putting the black kits look absolutely sensational. Now, those I would look very good in. Right, <laughs> Colleen, um, <laughs> even if I do say so myself. Yeah. Colleen, um, going to the other end of the pitch, mm. one player who stood out for me is William Saliba. Nice. Um, I mean, look, wax lyrical about him, eulogize about him, floor's yours, mic's yours, Colleen. Tell us what you're seeing in this guy and are you excited to see him play for us in the Premier League this season? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing to see him. And I feel like we've come modern Arsenal, as I like to call Arsenal, and the latter years of Wenger's reign is, honestly, the, the things we've seen at centre-back, the things, the partnerships we've seen, well, that still gives me nightmares. He's, he's a Rolls-Royce of a centre-back. My... Only concern is that we can, as, especially as like po pos relatively positive Arsenal fans and wanting the best for our player, is that if he does end up making a mistake, which he will, he's human, he will make a mistake at some point, or he might have a bad game. I just hope the knives won't be out, whether it's rivals will do that anyway, because they've seen how much we've, you know, we've spoken about him. But how he's played in France and getting, he's keep, you know, he's keeping Canate out of the, of the, on the French team. So obviously the kid, can play and we've seen that and it's just nice to see that you know it not only gives um competition and raises the level of gabrielle and white um provided that white won't be used at right back you know too much more going forward um it, it just raises the floor and then you can feel comfortable knowing okay a certain type of game we can switch them out or you know, someone's going through a bit of a bad patch swap them out try different partnerships between them there is nothing bad about this and it just kind of proves that Arteta's maybe longer strategy of eventually getting him into the team when there's a lot of doubts around, you know, how we handled his situation. So far, it's must be flawless, his plan. So let's well, yeah, I was, I, if, if I may ask you on that, because obviously look, the club took a lot of stick when William Saliba first went out on loan. You have a lot of football fans on Twitter who claim to know the player and, and knew of his ability. And they always sort of said, well, look, you know, he's better than what we've got. Give him a chance. Give him a run in the team. Of course, there's so many circumstances that we're just not aware of, you know, how he settled. He had issues, I think, in his family. And he's a young boy moving to a different country, very young boy, moving to a different country in a lockdown maybe alone was exactly what he needed. And actually looking back with hindsight, Colleen, like you just said, it's almost the perfect result for us. He went out there, played a wonderful year, became the, the, you know, the young player of the year for in league, which is incredible. And now he's coming back and he looks like that Rolls Royce that you talk about. I mean, do you think the criticism was fair of the club at the time? Or do you think Arteta's played it absolutely perfectly? Or Edu? I mean, I mean, there will always be criticism around a club like Arsenal. I mean, it, it was a bit weird because, 
maybe from a fan's perspective, if you're just reading things on social media, you've got a lot of French outlets saying one thing, you've got potential mistranslations of what Saliba is saying, you've got Arteta and Arsenal who've not, not didn't really say too much around it. It's, it's alone. There was, there was no questions asked, really. So I guess on a communication front, when you're a fan, it can seem a bit uh, chaotic. And especially when we, even though uh, Gabrielle and White um, are very good centre-backs, um, when he first came, I guess we were on our knees a little bit, being like, no, okay, we've heard of his potential. Let's just throw him in, like rushing him in. And I think that was why there was a bit of a... Uh, maybe almost like a mini divide within the fan base around like Arteta's doing it wrong, Arteta's doing it right. Um, and Arteta doesn't have that credibility as well to back him up. If this was like Tuchel or Pep, he was like, he needs a, a two-year loan. I don't think people would be questioning it too much. Um, and there's just, it's just so many circumstances around him. Like you've already said, his personal potential issues and things like that. Um, going back to where you're from, going in the league there, it's obviously worked out very well, but it was probably it probably seems chaotic to fans. But if you're in the know, probably less so. Yeah, quite. Like Ben Turner says, Ben, hi Ben. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Saliba, calm is personified. Not enough credit for the decision to load him last season. It's massively benefited. And then calm. That's that's the word that I would use when I look at William Saliba. He makes me feel so calm. And I'm just a fan in the stands or a fan on the sofa, or whatever. If you're a goalkeeper, if you're playing alongside him at right back, if you're playing next to him at left centre back that's going to do wonders for your game. You know, when you know you've got someone so assured, so calm, unlikely to make a mistake, and a mistake will happen, I'm sure, like you said. Um, but but calm is a really good word for me, uh, Ben. So thanks for using that. Before I move away from this, um, I Dubito, again, thank you for your generous contribution. Any two-pack fans, I do love changes, but mug life. And for, by the way, uh, Dubito, you've not sent me your address. I have a latte firm mug in its prototype form ready to ship to you wherever you are in the world. So do, do, do get in touch. Uh, before I move away from key set, key lessons from preseason, Tom, coming to you, Bernd Leno, breaking news tonight. David Ornstein has confirmed that Fulham have reached an agreement with Arsenal, fee of around £8 million. Pounds. Don't really want to dwell on the fee too much or the circumstances, but him leaving means that now Matty Turner is going to be our backup goalkeeper in the Premier League, potentially our starting goalkeeper in all the cup competitions. How does that make you feel? Uh, fine, you know, uh, fine, absolutely fine. <laughs> no, I'm not. A, I'm know, not convinced. A, that's that's go on, go on. <laughs> no, genuinely, that wasn't meant to come across like a Ross from Friends scenario. Um, <laughs> it, it very much was. I'm fine, <laughs> but no, it's yeah. Matty Turner is. I think a very decent goalkeeper. He has to transition still. You know, the difference between the MLS and the Premier League is for a goalkeeper you know, is the level of the quality of shots you're going to face on a more consistent basis is going to be high. You're coming up against a different level of forward and he will have to adjust. But there's a reason why he pushed Zach Steffen out and it's not just because of a lack of game time. He has, in his performances, outperformed his contemporary in the US men's national team. He deserves that starting spot for now. It will be intriguing now from his perspective who starts for the World Cup because Zach Steffen's gone on loan to, I want to say, Middlesbrough, I think. Yeah, I was just about to say. Um, and so that regular game time for him could give him a slight edge. Turner will play the Europa League games. He will play the Cup games. Uh, I think it was really unfair, a lot of the criticism he got after the Nuremberg game in particular, because, of course, he let those two goals in. I don't think there was anything he could really do about that. The, the long-range effort, that was kind of swerving and, and went through in the middle of the goal, they always look like they mug keepers off and they make keepers look worse than they are. 
but it was a very, very difficult strike. The second goal was brilliant. You know, it was a great strike from the right-hand side. Um, is it Kuda? I think the guy's, uh, the striker's name was that, that scored. But it was a case of, for Turner now, he comes into a team as one of the more experienced members of the, uh, the squad as more of a late bloomer in his career. And Arsenal have had a fair few of those. Olivier Giroud is a great example of a late bloomer in his career. Joined at, what, 25-26 and had only played up to Montpellier's level winning the league in Liga. But... I'm fine with that. Um, and Leno has been a great servant. There'll be talk about the price tag, and I know you didn't want to dwell on it, but just a short word on it is just quite simply a player's value is determined by what teams are willing to pay for them. And Fulham were really the only team offering something for Leno this summer. We needed to move him on. He wanted to move on. He probably wanted to stay in London from the sounds of things. And so if that's what they're willing to pay, that's probably what he is worth in this window with a year left. So it's it's decent business and it ultimately paid for our backup at the same time. Yeah, and good luck to Burnt. You know, he um he was a pretty decent servant for us, you know, played well, was a really good shot stopper. I understand, you know, the dynamic or the relationship between the club and him and the fans and him can change when a new number one comes into town and Ramsdale's been been brilliant for us. And I really wish him well. I think most Arsenal fans do. You know, he's been a he's been a good servant, like you say, Tom, not really causing much trouble, potentially, you know, wanting to stay in London, which might have restricted the number of clubs that might have been interested in him, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, nothing but sort of good vibes. And that and that performance that he had against uh, Villa, I think it was, before the international break where he had that emotional sort of celebration when he made that last gasp save. Yeah, that's going to be his final game for Arsenal, I think. And that's a nice way to kind of go out. Uh, Yem, before I move on to potential arrivals and the departure lounge, any other lessons that you think we've learned from pre-seasons? Are there any other sort of takeaways that you've got as a fan now looking ahead to Sellers Park on Friday? Um, nothing first team-wise. I think, obviously, I think we already know which players are going to be playing that Crystal Palace game. I, I don't think it will change much from the... The Chelsea and Sevilla game, that seems pretty settled. Um, I think the second string is a worry. I think there are gaps, as, as we'll probably talk about. Mikel has highlighted there are gaps. And I did see ways to tweak what we have. I, I know you're a big Xhaka fan, but I still think Xhaka is decent. But I think someone there is probably, I, I think, a, a Paqueta. Did you not witness the, the Granite Xhaka clinic yesterday? What the overhead attempt? Did you did you, you not see that that run for the final goal? I mean, come on, the guy is. I know. Anyway, sorry, but it, I, I didn't it, mean to ruin your flow. Actually, I did. I love Granite Jacker. Go on. <laughs> I know you do, um, but I, I think just it, I think we do need another midfielder. I, I think that's very clear. Um, just to you know bring that number eight, uh, you know, bring more to that number eight role. I think Jacker has done a, a great job in that position. You know, as best as he could do. Well, there are some oh, well, look, let's move on to that then, Yen. Yeah. to go until that's a window, 1st of August tomorrow. Mikel Arteta has openly said the squad isn't complete, he's still got things to do. He spoke in his post match press conference yesterday saying that, you know, he's got his, his eyes on maybe one or two other players. Um, for you, Yem, is it central midfield and what other positions? I mean, you can see Yuri Tillemans, Cody Gakpo, uh, Paqueta, and Carl Walker Peters, who was linked to us in, as a sort of backup right back. What are you feeling, Yemen, Tom and Kalina, I'm going to come to you straight after. I think a midfielder will come in. I, I, I think that's one area we are like. It actually depends, again, on the outgoings, if we can get rid of Torreira. Um, I think that's a big one because Torreira is just draining wages off and, and otherwise we'll have to reintegrate him in. Um, inside, uh, you know, an, an inside forward, again, that's... Uh, you could debate that with Reese Nelson because I think Reese Nelson is going to be given chances by what 
what, what's been said now. So is Reese Nelson the answer there? Maybe. Um, one of the big positions I am really scared about, and it's, I don't know how we're going to manage that, is, Tom, is actually Thomas Party, Because again, yesterday, you know, he was, you know, he was instrumental in how we played and how we broke up play, moved it forward, you know. So Hard Pixel TV's got a question on there. I don't know if that's your name, Hard Pixel, but I'll go with it. Uh, one of these, uh, sorry, out of these four positions, central defensive midfield, right wing, left centre back, left central midfield, which position do you feel uh, needs most attention? Excellent panel. Thanks a lot. It's the guests who make the show. But yeah, I mean, by the sound of things, defensive midfielder is probably up there as a priority for you. It just scares me more than anything that we haven't actually looked at someone considering how dependent we are on party to keep this the the way we play moving because I can't see with all due respect to Lakonga and to Xhaka etc I don't see uh, someone who can do the job I can see maybe he'd go to a two to to change the midfield structure but again that changes how we play so it, I'm surprised but maybe it's the case that there is no one like him that's available with the price bracket that we have and it's it is worrying um, I guess we have to trust the process but Thomas Partey is injury prone. It, it, he's not the, the Thomas Partey we had a, that was at Atletico Madrid where he was playing every game. There are a lot more demands on him as well in this formation. You know, he is the only defensive midfielder, the, the deepest lying. And it does worry me slightly that we are not actively looking. Maybe we are. Maybe Adu will pull something out again, like uh, underneath the radar. Um, but yeah, that's the position for me personally that I worry about, just simply because I can see... Look, Xhaka Lakonga, Xhaka Lakonga could feel that number eight adequately. I'm not saying it's brilliant. In the fo wide forwards, I think we are decently stocked. But that party role does scare me in terms of if he's injured, does that mean we have El Nini there, who, with all due respect, is not, not even close to the level of, of a party? Uh, look, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Thomas Party. We can't not talk about him because he's obviously a, a footballer and he and he played yesterday. I know there's a lot of comments coming in about things that have, that people have been speculating about on social media. I'd prefer not to talk about that only because I'm not well placed to talk about this sort of stuff. I know it's important. I know it's really sensitive. Um, I just don't know what good it would be of me to sort of open that can of worms. And so. Look, if you're in the comments talking about that situation, that's fine. There's not much I can do about it, but it's something that I'm going to avoid doing on the channel. Um, Tom, if I could come to you, Yem's talked about the importance of having that central defensive midfield reinforcement. Would you agree with that? Or do you think there could be you know, a job done by the likes of Elneny and Lokonga? And what other positions would you like to see us address in the squad, Tom? No, I think Yem is spot on in terms of the worry if Partey isn't there because you know he suffered from plenty of injuries at Arsenal during his time here and it's frustrating because as Jim pointed out Atletico Madrid he didn't suffer from those problems um the issue isn't numbers you know we've got El Nenny we've got Xhaka we've got Lukonga it's not like we've got no one who can play defensive midfield if Partey isn't there it's the gap between Partey and those players that we recognize as the issue um I don't think Partey's absence was the main reason why we lost games like we did at the end of last season. For me, the biggest reason was we lost our starting fullbacks and that was just such a huge damaging effect. And, you know, you look at Chelsea, 
they lost James and they lost Chilwell for a period of time and they went from a team touted as title challengers to a team battling for fourth place. If you lose your starting fullbacks, it is such a damaging situation to be in and Arsenal did that. And especially when, you know, you think about the the difference between Tommy Asu and Tierney and Cedric and Tavares, it's not just a level of quality difference, it's a stylistic difference between those players. Cedric and Tavares are much more forward thinking and because of that, it left White and Gabriel holding when White also, who wasn't there for a number of games, it leaves them more exposed. And I think that was shown especially in the North London derby. So do we need to invest in a defensive midfielder. If you told me that we were going to go and activate Ibrahim Sangara from PSV's release clause of around £32 million, I'd be very happy. If Arsenal don't bring in a defensive midfielder this this summer, but still do add kind of your Tillemans ilk kind of player, I'm still going to be fine with that. Because I do think that despite the gap between Partey and Elneny Lukonga, etc. being significant and worthy of discussion, I think that Elneny in particular is incredibly underrated at times. I think he gives us calmness I think he gives us consistency he's not going to give you your nine ten performances every single week he's probably going to give you a six or seven most weeks but I think that most often not if you said you in yesterday's game against Seville Elneny played instead of Partey I don't think the performance would be that dissimilar and that's not to undermine how Partey contributed to the game I just think that we have so much more quality throughout the rest of the team now that we can cope if Partey, for whatever reason, is not there. So I'd be looking to add in a central midfielder in more of the ilk of Tielemans than I would in the sense of a Partey backup. But for me, one of the key areas that also, and I see Cody Gakpo's major list on the screen, a wide forward with the scope to be able to play centrally has to be, for me, something that we look at. Because if Jesus does get injured, you are down to Nketiah, who I like, and I'm not going to undermine his level of quality. And I think given the opportunity last season, he showed what he can bring us. But you are then just to Nketiah. And Balogun looks like he's going to them on loan next season. So, you know, it will be just Nketiah. And then you've got four competitions and one striker. Martinelli, maybe. But for me, we need to add a wide forward who can also cover in the middle. And those aren't, they are a rarity. So it's a problem. Eline, just to kind of close the circle on this chat, I mean, we've got a month to go to the end of the transfer window. We know that there are going to be potential outgoings, which we'll feature on the next slide, but Bernd Leno is obviously just, you know, the first domino to fall now in the coming weeks. What position would you like to see us sort of address? And there's not been much talk about a deputy right back. I know Carl, Carl Peter Walkers has been there, but is, is Cedric, for example, good enough to cover uh, for Tommy Asu? Was Ben White going to be out there? There were a couple of questions about who do you start a centre-back, but yeah, Colleen, thoughts on the window? Yeah, you, you read my mind. It was, I was literally just thinking about um, right-back. I This might be an unpopular opinion, but I am president of Cedric's fan club. Just putting that out there. Wow. But I'm that's, what, get that's what the police are looking for before. <laughs> but um, I am... How jealous of Frimmy were you during those tour videos? You must have been so <laughs> jealous of how much exclusive access to Cedric he got. <laughs> he was literally everywhere. He's saying, I'm not going anywhere. You don't even try it. I'm there. Um, but I think... I don't, I, there's been no, I think that's something that we probably do need to freshen up. It's probably, it's probably ranks what fourth or fifth on their lists. Uh, I do agree. I think um, with um, the lads that are wide forward or that can play centrally. Um, of course, I know we're looking at Tielemans as well. And I do think we need a backup for party. It's more the quality rather than the amount of numbers that we have. But um, so I agree. I, I agree with everything that's been said, but I think we are probably going to start seeing Ben White at, 
at right back when Tomiyasu is unavailable, considering what we did see. Um, I, like I said, I'm president of Cedric's fan club. I do like him. I, I, I just take him for what he is. He's decent going forwards, not the best defensively. And that's why you get a right back up for ultimately is for the defensive duties. But I'm a little bit surprised that that hasn't, there's not even been real murmurs or anything gathering pace, even if it was ITK rubbish. So um, I think that might be one to watch. That could be a surprise or in the next coming couple of windows. Um, but I'm just a bit surprised that nothing's really been said. Well, do you know what, like Yem, Yem sort of alluded to, like the Fabio Vieira one just came out of the blue. Maybe Arsenal have one or two ideas up their sleeves and hopefully uh, time will tell in the coming weeks. I mean, look, I agree with you, Colleen. I think Cedric Suarez has a role to play. I mean, we could have a better deputy right back, but he's a mentor for some of the young guys. He's clearly loved in the dressing room. I think we'll see, as Idubito just mentioned, in all or nothing, that he's actually quite influential. I know there's a training field bust up where he's uh, pulled away from maybe Lacazette, um, but uh, but yeah, he, he's got a role to play, and of course, he's still got you know con time left on his contract. Um, I mean, to, to my thoughts, guys, just to kind of uh, uh, echo some of the sentiment, you know, I, I'm very anxious about Thomas Party missing football. Um, if he gets injured or he gets suspended, I think the quality, the, the gap in quality between him and someone like El Nino Lokonga is too big. I think Arteta would almost certainly have to change the system to accommodate for that. So I'd like to see us going for a defence midfielder. I can't see that happening. Left central side midfield, left sided eight. Um, Tom, like you mentioned, Yuri Tillemans looks like, you know, I think he was on the bench today for Leicester, who also played Sevilla. So two games in, in two days, that is, that is ruthless. Um, but he was on the bench tonight. And uh, one or two Leicester ITKs have been talking about him sort of, you know, wanting to move away. So uh, that could be one to watch. Lucas Paqueta, Freddie, who was going to join tonight, said that actually, you know, there was interest in him at the time when we were pursuing Gabriel Jesus. Maybe that's sort of calmed down now. So, you know, who knows? And Cody Gakpo, the reason why he's made my cut, Tom, is because I love the boy. Um, you know, I've, I'm not going to say that I watch uh, Dutch football every week, but his name crops up all the time. The breakdown that we did with the Dutch journalist, Rick Elfrink, you know, I love everything about Cody that's off the pitch as well. The, the man that he is, the leader that he is, the young leader that he is, and just his upbringing, everything about it. If you haven't tuned in, guys who are watching, please do. But I'm really excited about that prospect and the fact that he can play left potentially central and even uh, out to the right uh, is an exciting one. So lots of stuff to do. Uh, there's almost 600 of you watching live still, which is amazing. Do drop a like on the video, subscribe if you're new uh, and follow these fine people. Uh, Colleen is at Miss Colleen Wills. Uh, Tom is obviously the Guna Talk TV, but you Tom, you've also got a personal account, haven't you? Yeah, Tom Canton Media. That's where you find all my media stuff. So. Tom Canton Media. There you go. And Yem is obviously Verge 59. Um, if we move on to the Departure Lounge, which is a fixed uh, topic on the late night lattes up until the start of the new season, Muno Tavares had a bit of a crazy debut today um, against uh, AC Milan. He was sent off and then not sent off. And then he started playing like Ronaldinho and taking on players. Um, Tom, I don't know if you, if you saw any of that or caught any of the stuff on social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on Nuno leaving the club? And secondly, yeah, just his debut against Milan. Phenomenal. 
Yeah, uh, no, I'm really happy he's gone, but for all the right reasons. Um, I'm happy he's gone because he needs to play. Uh, you know, at 21, 22 years of age, of which he is, you don't want to be sitting behind Tini and Zinchenko at a club. You know, you you don't need that at that age. You need to play. Uh, if you're that age, you need to be getting out there and getting minutes. And I think there are a lot of players in the Arsenal squads at that age that, that didn't do that soon enough. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles being probably a, a prime example of that age, needed more game time, could have developed into a potentially better player by his mid-20s that we find him now struggling to, to find a club that, that wants him. But Tavares, there is a player there. Um, I think he was incredibly um, undermined, I suppose. I, I think that one of the, the cruxes of sometimes the Arsenal fan base at times, I won't say everyone, but certainly a portion, is that we want to kill players too quickly sometimes. Or we want to end their careers too quickly. Not good enough. Get him God. No, don't like him. Need to get him or move on. We need someone better than him. And I think we saw in the first half of the season, in particular the games against Aston Villa, Leicester away, Newcastle at home, Watford at home, that there is such a potential candidate for a progressive, confident driver of the ball that we don't have. Zinchenko and Tierney aren't like that. You know, whilst Tierney gets forwards, he's one that gets the interplay, he's the one that, you know, gets the passes, the one-twos, and is a decent crosser. But there's no one in this team that quite drives the ball forward like Tavares does. And in those clips that if you haven't seen on social media yet in the game against Milan, you see him do that exact thing. You see him pick up the ball, take players on receive the ball in, in offensive positions, find good crossing. His crossing needs to be refined and developed, but you can tell that there is the ability to find those really key passes. We all know that the defensive side of his game is what he needs to work on as well. That area is definitely something that needs to improve. I think that the way in which Marseille plays is going to find himself a lot more in the offensive third than he would have necessarily done with Arsenal, where he's going to find himself needing to defend more so. Um, and that comes because the Premier League is more competitive and Marseille are going to have a lot more dominant games than Ars Arsenal may have in the Premier League. But he's going to be able to develop. And we've seen someone like Saliba, who's gone to Marseille for a season, and have a great campaign and develop into a player that's easily good enough to get into this Arsenal team next season. And with Tierney's perpetual injury problems and Zinchenko's versatility to also play in midfield... There is still, even with them two at the club, definitely a route to the first team for Tavares next season if he develops into a good enough player. Yeah, I think that was a key. I think you just nailed it with the mention of Zinchenko. Like you saw uh, yesterday against Sevilla when we've got the ball in attack, Zinchenko steps up, plays as that sort of inverted fullback, adds adds another player in that midfield. And Ben White was doing the same from the right. You know, that. Yeah. But what I like most about Nuno is that I think a lot of his faults or weaknesses are things that are coachable. You know, if you listen to Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast, he says, like, the attributes are all there. He's obviously strong, explosively quick, finds himself in some really good positions in the final third, lacks that composure, like you said, Tom, when it comes to crossing final ball. You know, we've seen him sort of last shots over the bar. I wish he wouldn't shoot so often. But I'm really hoping that he has a successful time on loan in Marseille. They're obviously in the Champions League. I know a lot's been made of that. Talks ball, you know, he's upgraded to a Champions League club, all that sort of nonsense. Hate to give them a shout out, but there you go. Um, but yeah, hopefully the sort of loan spell works out. Burnt Leno, of course, we've just talked about a few minutes ago, has secured his move to, to Fulham as per David Ornstein. Uh, Tom, just before I move on to Colleen, um, any players from that sort of picture there on the right hand side that you would expect to see following Burnt Leno out the door in the next few days? Yeah, Pablo Marie is uh, in discussions with Monza uh, at the moment. Uh, it's an interesting one. Um, Monza are a club on the rise. I think I'm right in saying that 
I don't want to get it wrong. I think they might be owned by uh, the former AC Milan president and Italian president. Is it yeah. Berlusconi? Yeah, yeah. is the, yeah, he's, Berlusconi. Do you know? What yeah, I, that's that, a, that's a dangerous one. That's a dangerous yeah. one. <laughs> it really the is. The dodginess yeah. is is unreal. We're talking more than Barca levels of dodginess. Yeah, he's a character. If you if people don't listen to the Glatzo podcast with James uh, James Horncastle, definitely do. It's worth listening to. Um, so yeah, Pablo Marie. Um, but other than that, you know, Bellerin is in kind of purgatory at the moment. You know, <laughs> at Arsenal, you don't really know whether where he's going to go. Maitland Niles has got interest but no concrete links. Torreira is an unknown factor because he's got a pre agreement with Valencia, but Valencia don't seem willing to pay anything more than around four million euros. There isn't any concrete interest in, in Pepe that's going to form into any kind of bid at the moment, despite talk of Sevilla and Newcastle. Uh, and Reese Nelson, I think, is going to stay um, for next season. He may even extend his contract. It's, I think he's basically got an audition of a season, it seems, this year to keep his, his place in the team. And that's always been his primary goal, to my understanding, is that he wants to succeed at Arsenal. That's his priority. So, yeah, we could see some departures, but it's mostly going to be... And two, three end of the weeks of the window is where you're going to see the most movement. So there you go. Thank you, Tom. Before I come to clean on thoughts on Reese Nelson, actually, clean and Marquinhos. So just start thinking about that. A quick uh, mention to Adrian S. Thanks also for your kind donation to the channel. Putting it out there, Eddie gets a World Cup spot. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We shall see, Adrian. I'll be the first to revisit that quote if that were to happen. Uh, Colleen, just building on what Tom said about outgoings, Reese Nelson looks like he's going to have a change in fortune. And like Tom says, you know, an audition season. Um, what are your thoughts about Reese? And also, there's been lots in the chat about Marquinhos. You know, how can you forget about Marquinhos? Are you expecting him to go out on loan, Colleen? It's, uh, did you watch the game against Chelsea when he sort of came on for that cameo? Anything that you, anything that you like? Um, well, with Marquinhos, I think I don't think he I don't think he's going to go on loan. You know, I think he might end up. I think he. I know that Arteta has been cautious, and even some of the little bits he has said um, around him in a few recent press interviews. I think you know where he's saying let's not rush him and things like that. Um, I think we might give him a punt in the Europa uh, group stages. Um, games to be honest with you and it'd be really nice to see a bit more of him um, for myself because obviously I didn't watch him in Brazil at all zero nothing I'm trusting um, Edu's Brazilian connection there um, it was nice to get a bit of a glimpse of him though in his little cameo but I think we probably keep him for a little bit and, and we are I think we are still a little bit light in that kind of area so I think he stays we'll see a little bit more of him in you know the cups essentially in the in the, like the group stages and the lower rounds of like the FA Cup and things like that, um, but very exciting. Um, Nelson, I, I maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I just don't see him hitting the ceiling that we would need him to hit at Arsenal in a quick enough time frame. Uh, I mean, he even came out himself a few weeks ago, you know, saying you know, I wasn't doing the things that I should be doing, you know, like eating right or like, you know, training to the level that I should have been to be able to reach those levels. And it's always a bit of an eye opener for it's even like it doesn't even need to be in the football context and any kind of workplace and like that. When you're seeing like your peers, like your Sackers, your Elmore Smith Rose and what they're achieving at Arsenal. And then you've got someone like him who's like in a similar age, they're friends, English as well, not really, well, he's not in the England senior um, squad. I just don't see him 
making the jump to be at the level we need. I think he I think there's definitely room for him to improve. Um and he can improve under Arteta. I mean, we've always heard great things from players who've been coached by Arteta. So I have no doubt he'll, he can improve. But to what we need and what we are trying to achieve, I have, I don't have faith. I do have faith in the three Gabrielles, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but not, not in um, Nelson, unfortunately. Fair enough. And there's lots of comments coming in about uh, Eddie Nketiah and he's chosen Ghana to, to you know, for, for his national team. I didn't know that, or maybe, maybe I've sort of overlooked that. And lots of people saying that he will be at the World Cup. Um, I want to close the show on choice of club captain. Uh, we've obviously seen Martin Odegaard, who's been announced as the formal new club captain for this season. Uh, there's a lovely quote on the screen there on the left-hand side where Mikel says uh, about Martin, he was always listening, always helping his teammates. His attitude was absolutely phenomenal. That made me think that this guy is putting the team in front of him and the captain has to do that always. Yeah, and we've already spoken about the importance of the role of a captain to you. Um, so we won't sort of go over how precious you feel about uh, the captain's armband because I share those thoughts. It's, it is sacrosanct and it should be precious. But your thoughts on Erdegaard getting it officially? And if I could push you, I don't know if the vice captain's been announced, but who, who would you have also looked at? I think vice captain, if if push comes on, will be Tierney for me. Um, I don't think Jacker will get it because Jacker, again, I don't think that, I think Arteta No, I think he would be he would have been my choice for vice-captain if historical issues hadn't come to bear. I think Arteta sees him as a de facto vice-captain in all, but I think he's just part of a group, effectively, that he trusts. Um, I don't think there was... I, I think with Tierney's injury problems, I think we talked about this, I think Erdogan was the logical choice. He seems to trust him a lot. He's a captain of his national team. He's got the experience. We'll find out this season because... This is a big season, again, for Arsenal in general. And the captain, you know, he's got a big season ahead of him as well. He's had a year to... He's had a full season now where he's bedding in. There are issues in his game that we have seen. In the big games, he has gone missing quite badly. Um, when the press is on, he doesn't do well. So the captain always has to be present and the one who's pushing the team forward. So it's a big season for him as well. And this is obviously a big responsibility. So I think he can handle it. It's obviously he's got to put in the performances to match the faith that he's been shown by Arteta. Um, I think he will. I, I think he he's got a he, you know he's got the right attitude. He he's always pushing the team on. He's he's very clever in, in, in you know in game management as well. We've seen that Arteta trusts him to make changes based on what's happening in the game. It's just those areas I've talked about where he needs to improve his you know, his, his game management in those big games against the Liverpools, against the, you know, the Man Cities where he is being pressed upon. How does he get out of the press or how does he make himself, you know, avoid the press? That that That's going to be key this season, I think, for him as a captain as well, that he's present in, in all games. Tom, thoughts on Erdegaard as captain? And do you think Yem's comments about him going missing in the big games is fair? Um. Scored in a North London derby, scored a really big goal against Olympiacos in the Europa League. Um, he scored against United as well, didn't he? Scored against United. Did yeah, he did. Uh, Not a big team. <laughs> so I think he goes missing in some, 
big games. I think that would be fair to say. Well, I, I, I think, think I think Yem's probably referring to sorry Yem for for talking for you, but like the Newcastle <laughs> game when when we were yeah, I think we were in the season. You expected him to come out and really <laughs> and really fly, right? But he, he I just think didn't. Uh, so to elaborate, I think that when w- w- it was shown that when Erdogan goes missing in the games, we tend to struggle quite a bit. Mm. Because obviously he's a main creative outlet. Maybe that changes the season with Gabriel Jesus and the way that we we push ourselves. But I think in the games where we are pressed heavily, and Man United weren't even there, Tottenham weren't there at that point. But the Tottenham game as well, the away game, that was shown. He went missing in that game. All, all the team did. But the the Man City and the Liverpools, the Liverpools, he wasn't even in the game. And that that's what he has to change. That's, you know, not a reflection on his captaincy. But, you know, as a captain, I think he has to, you know, be in those big games. Those are the ones that are going to test him. Your low, you know, no disrespect to the rest of the Premier League, but the other games, he should be he should be there and he should be, you know, performing as, as a good captain. But those big games are where we have to bridge the gap. We did well in some games, but we didn't, you know, the Man City was a perfect example. We, we fell short. I cut you in halfway. Go on, what were you going to say and finish that off? Oh, is Tom frozen? Oh, sorry, me. I, was, I thought you were sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, I, I was just saying, I, yeah, I, I, no, I rudely interrupted you. Go on. No, that's fine. Look, I think that the Man City home game, I thought Erdogan was great. I thought he was great in that home game. I thought a lot of the players were great in that home game. You know, away from home, I think that was his first game uh, for us after he signed was the Man City away game. Look, we don't play well when Odegaard doesn't play well is a testament to him because it means when he plays well, Arsenal are playing well and proving how important he is as a player to this team. Does he need to be better? Yes. Does he need to be more consistent? Yes. Is he going to benefit from having Gabriel Jesus in front of him? Absolutely. You know, you could not have found a better partner as a striker for Odegaard than Jesus. But I think that he's the obvious standout candidate to be the captain. It would have been Kiarantini if he could keep fit, but he can't. And because of that, you need to have a captain that's playing as regularly as possible. And Erdegaard is one of the first names on the team sheet, without a doubt. I think Erdegaard suffers a lot from not being James Madison for a lot of fans um, because we didn't sign James Madison, you know, and we bought Erdegaard instead. And I think for a lot of fans, that's a frustration. But I think Erdegaard is, as, as Arteta describes, you know, the perfect kind of attacking mid for what we want to do. I think he needs to add more goals. He needs to have more assists. I'd like to see him get into double figures for goals across all competitions next season. That should be a target for him. And I think he's got the capabilities to be able to do that. And I think with having players around him that he has now um, is going to be absolutely crucial. But he is the standout candidate. Perhaps that says more about a lack of standout leaders in the group than it does how much Odegaard is as a captain. But And whilst, you know, to an extent, I agree, FK, about the, the armband being, you know, sacrosanct and, and, and all of that stuff. But... There aren't the Vieiras in 2022 anymore. There aren't the Tony Adams in 2020. They don't exist. These characters don't exist in football really anymore. And I think that a captain these days is someone that is just a regular player on the pitch that is exactly what the manager wants from a player in his position and that is obviously vocal and that can translate what he wants into a player. What I would also say is that Granit Xhaka is still very much the captain is still very, very much the captain without the armband. That's my understanding. That's from, you know, there's going to be things that come out in the next couple of weeks from interviews that have been done that are embargoed right now and that I can't talk about, but there is still very much, you know, Jacker is very much the captain within the team, despite not having the armband. 
and is seen very much as the go-to leader of that group. Um, he just, because of the incident, won't go back to that. And it's quite simple to see it that way. I see that smile on my face. See, you made me so happy. Oh my God, Tom's on Latte Firm. He is indeed Yilmaz you. Um, so, uh, you know, Colleen, coming to you last, but by certainly no means least, A, are you happy with Erdegaard being captain? But also, if you look at the player, at the profile of player that Arteta's gone for, I mean, there's captains all over the pitch. Like, you know, Tom's just mentioned Xhaka, captain of his national team, hearty the same. Uh, Tierney does share captaincy with with Robertson for Scotland. Sinchenko, captain of his team. You know, Lukonga captained Anderlecht before he came. Like, and then the players that we're sort of linked with, Cody Yakpo, young captain of PSV. Like, there is very much an element of leadership in a lot of these players. Mm. What does that tell you about the team that that and the culture that you've often spoke about, Colleen? But first of all, Erdegaard, happy yes or no? Uh, I feel a bit. I, have, I feel a bit ambivalent over it. If I'm honest with you. Um, I'm not like excited. I don't think it's necessarily a bad choice. Um, you know, he does it for his own national team. And it's clear whatever he's doing behind the scenes that we, we're not privy to is exactly what Arteta wants. Um, so if it's good by him, it's good by me. But I I just don't want it to for it to become if he's already doing those things, then it's there's no pressure, right? Because he's already doing the things that Arteta's looking for as his captain. But because I still think there's areas for him to improve on. So even Arsenal, when they announced, it, I think they put like a stat, like he had 60 appearances and nine goals. He there's, a, there's he needs to work on his um on his goal scoring output. There's things he needs to work on. So as long as that him becoming captain doesn't um take away or put too much pressure around all the other things he needs to do, then it's completely fine. I don't think it should, but just kind of like thoughts that I had around it. Um but I do think in terms of captains, the lands like kind of like what Tom said, the landscape around captains has changed. Like now, and it's not just Arsenal, you don't not really just have one, you have one captain on the pitch with the armband, but nowadays you have groups of captains. Like even in Dortmund, they have three and they have one from like different kinds of uh, ages, because I think Jude Bellingham's one of them. And you have people from different like ages experiences who intermix around um with different cliques within within the within the club. So um I personally, again, maybe hate male tomatoes coming from my door. I actually have no problem if it was Xhaka, if I'm being completely honest. I think I think it'd be too much for like the whole fan base to to move forward with everything and the history that's happened. But I agree. I I think that for all intents and purposes, Xhaka probably is the the real captain of Arsenal, whether people like it or not. Um, so it, it's just interesting. I think captains, the landscape has changed. It's not what, what we remember, well, especially myself, like growing up around Vieira, Keane and that, that it's just not the same anymore. And I think as fans, we need to kind of accept that. Um, but I do think the uh, the Newcastle game was a good pointer because especially as him as captain and these leaders that you mentioned that we have on the pitch, in those kind of games, I'm not saying we'll never lose a game, we'll not have a bad game again, but they can't, those captains and those leaders can't be shrinking violets in those contexts. You're, you're a captain, you're, you're meant to be leaders, lead, essentially. <laughs> I love that. And another shout for Granite Shaka. Um, well, look, we've, we've been going for just over an hour, so thank you so much. I can't not put you guys on the spot with one final question, which is Sellers Park in five days' time. Uh, a lot can happen, of course, I know, with injuries and returns to fitness and, of course, maybe even player acquisitions from both sides, both clubs. But I want to put you on the spot. And, Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Give me a scoreline for Friday. 
god. <laughs> um, <clears throat> screw it. Three 0 Arsenal. Ooh, bold, confident. Yeah. If I'm that positive, then I'm going against my very nature. Uh, I'm going with two one Arsenal. I'm I'm semi positive. You know, I'm not. I'm still on the because it's still Crystal Palace away on a Friday night. It it just has that feel. No Conor Gall- no Conor Gallagher though, and he was exceptional in the game against us. And that's a big one, um, big miss. But I think we can do it. Jesus two Jesus double. Killeen. <laughs> I mean, I'm going ultra positive. Uh, I think I don't I think I don't think Palace have completely finished a lot of the business that they wanted to want to get done. And I think they've had a few injuries as well, um, which helps us because I hate going to Selhurst Park. I, it's just one of those ones in the, the bottom of my stomach. I just like this is going to be an, an an uncomfortable watch. Um, with that being said, there is no reason for me to not be confident. We could be going to that game in a position like we were last year at Brentford. So. I'm going for a three 0 as well, and I'm going to go for oh, a hat trick. Um, listen, oh. I'm dealing with him. I am going so, so, so high. I'm hyping this guy up, and I want to be seeing um, Jem Jesus puns, metaphors. I'm all in. I want all of this. That's <laughs> well, you guys, I love it. I love it. Um, of course, I want Arsenal to go there and win, but I'm feeling a score draw, and I'd probably take that. I know, I know, I know. But look, on that what? massive note of Whoa. negativity. Yeah, all right, Yim. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for everybody tuning in. There's still over 600 of you watching live right now. Please do drop a like before you log off and turn your computers off before bedtime if you're in the UK or whatever you're going to do. Um, and thanks to Colleen. So Colleen is at Miss Colleen Wills. Colleen, I hope you survived in your cotton jumper. Um <laughs> have a good couple of days enjoy the run up to the start of the new season tom thank you so much for your debut hope that was pain-free i know you must be knackered mate doing broadcast after broad are you up at 8am tomorrow again oh yeah yeah oh yeah you yeah. love I'm used it, to it love now it. it's fine <laughs> well thanks so much for joining and of course everybody Pleasure. watching if you're not familiar with this channel do check it out it's at the guna talk tv and of course launch of a new brand tomorrow or new logo new branding what is it just, exactly yeah, just lots of Everything. new stuff for the new love season it. yeah love it and of course late night latte regular yem at verge 59 thanks so much for joining yem really appreciate that hope you enjoyed your mars ice cream well there we have it guys thanks a lot for tuning in we will have another late night latte in the week i'm sure uh, as we predict and look forward to crystal palace which is obviously our season opener there might even be a breakdown depending on what arsenal do in the coming days in the transfer window so until next time take care of yourselves and speak soon